Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Health Shift, my podcast that bridges the gap between conventional modalities and ancient healing for complete mind and body spirit well-being. My purpose is to open up communication channels in order to seek more proactive and preventive approaches to healing and well-being. And the new healer doesn't just focus on illness, but rather on achieving and maintaining optimal well-being. And note that these discussions are not medical advice and nor should they be used in place of medical assessments. So let's get started. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Renee Wallenstein. Dr. Renee is a double board certified doctor who has been working with women for over 20 years. And due to her own personal health challenges, she stepped outside the box of conventional medicine to take a radically different approach to heal herself from the depths of burnout. Boy, can I relate to that one? About a decade ago, Dr. Renee was living what she thought was her dream life. She was an extremely busy OBGYN, married to a physician, with toddler twins, and they had moved to a quaint town out in the country. One day in May 2012, Dr. Renee fell off of her horse during a riding lesson and broke her back. She not only struggled with severe back pain, but with fatigue and the inability to focus. Her doctor diagnosed her with depression, but her symptoms didn't approve after two different antidepressants. Boy, I'm familiar with that one as well. Mm-hmm. It is truly amazing how many of us have found functional and integrative medicine through our own school of hard knocks. So welcome, mm-hmm. Dr. Renee. I am so excited to have you here today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited for yeah. our conversation. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about your story, how you have reconciled your conventional training and your busy practice with adopting a newer, although ancient in many ways, newer way of practice. Yeah, it was not intentional by any means. I mean, just as you reviewed my story and every time I hear my story, it kind of is like, I get this like feeling in my, my belly of like, oh, you know, like, of you know, just going back to that time whereby, you know, I thought again, I was living that dream life. You know, I got to the country, I got the horse that my dad told me I couldn't have when I was seven. Cause he's a dairy farmer. And okay. I was like, come on, dad, let's get a horse. No. So at 39, I get the horse. And then of course, fill up the horse. And I, I always say that's where my story began because for several years after that, and like you reviewed, I was, I was struggling with these weird symptoms, you know, the, the fatigue and the uh, weight gain and brain fog and just terrible cravings and lack of motivation. And all of this worsened my back pain. My back pain was like the underlying of all of this. And I struggled with these symptoms for about a year and a half. And at one point during that time, um, what had happened is I could no longer practice a full scope of OBGYN. So I was no longer delivering babies or operating due to the injury. And, you know, at one point I realized what having purpose in your life really meant. And the fact that I was going into the office and just doing pap smears all day, just that was not lighting me up. That was not fulfilling my desire to help women. Um, it was great. Women enjoyed seeing me, but I couldn't take them to deliver their babies and I couldn't operate to make, take their, you know, heavy vaginal bleeding away, whatever the case may be. So I really would come home at night going, you know, my husband's like, how was work? I'm like, oh, well, did some pap smears today and handed off a half dozen patients to other doctors to help them on their next phase of their life. And, you know, I remember thinking, gosh, I, is this one of the reasons I can't get out of bed because I just don't really want to go into work because I'm just not changing the lives like I used to. Mm. And so, I mean, and I recall in, in that on top of having a lot of physical symptoms, I recall one night in, in bed with my husband, I said, 
I, I just can't go on living like this. This is just not living. You know, I, I would literally come home from work, hit the fridge to try to get some healthy food. I'm like, ah, too tired. Go grab a bag of chips, go sit on the couch, finish off that bag of chips and just sit there for the day. Now, meanwhile, I had kids five, six, seven years of age. I have twins. And I really did not feel like a great mom because I just didn't have the energy, the stamina to be able to keep up with them or want to honestly. And, you know, I did not feel like a great wife because I did the same thing with my husband, you know, let's go take a walk. No, I'm tired. So, you know, that night, you know, between not feeling like an adequate mom, wife, physician compounded with these symptoms, these physical symptoms, I I just couldn't picture like living like this for the rest of my life. And when I made that comment to my husband about no longer living like this, I didn't have a plan, but I was rock bottom. And I thought, gosh, here I am. I look like I have it all. And I want to no longer live. And that's when I knew that I had to go to my doctor. And again, as you reviewed in the story, I went to the doc and she diagnosed me with what I knew she was going to diagnose me with, because I'm in the conventional world. When I was like looking at my symptoms, standing back going, what box am I going to shove myself into? It would be the depression box. Cause that's kind of what it sounds like. So when I went and she told me, and I'm like, I knew you're going to say that, but it just doesn't feel like this is what depression should feel like, but I don't know what else to do. And I can't go on living like this. So just give me the pills so I can just move on with my life. Sure. And so that six months later, two different pills later, still all, all the symptoms were there. Plus I had side effects from both. I tried two different medications. Both of them gave me side effects. I was like, this is, there's something else wrong, but what is it? And of course my doc was like, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know what other antidepressant I can give you. I'm like, I don't want any more. And that's when I just was kind of like, you know, it's, and it's nothing, not a fault of my doctor. She just didn't know where else to turn. Sure. And essentially this is where a lot of women get to and their docs are like, well, it's all in your head. Right. Or like, you're just going to have to live with it. And that's exactly how I felt. I felt like all my symptoms were all in my head. I literally, I felt helpless. I couldn't even help myself. I felt hopeless. I'm like, I'm going to have to, I am going to have to like live like this for the rest of my life. And ironically, as I was coming off the antidepressants or contemplating it, I was put in touch with a functional medicine doctor. And I didn't even know what that was. I had no idea. You know, when I was practicing gynecology, I would have some women come in that was, we're seeing these fancy doctors in New York city and giving them these bioidentical hormones. And I never challenged it. I never poo-pooed the docs. I was just kind of like, I don't know what that is. I'll do your exam and you can go back down to your doctor and get your hormones. But you know, in the world of conventional medicine, a mom of, of young twins, a husband, who's also very busy with work. Like I just cut my blinders on just to get through my day. Sure. And I wasn't asking questions of like what these doctors are doing, you know? And plus I just, I had no interest in doing anything, but gynecology until <laughs> I'm going through all of this. And, you know, I got in touch with this functional medicine doc at, I want, it's like nine o'clock at night one evening. And she was, you know, within a couple of minutes of our conversation. And again, it was for another reason. It wasn't even for my own health. It was, I was selling anti-aging skincare for some fun in my life back then. And she was an anti-aging doctor. So we got on the phone with her to say, Hey, you want to buy some skincare? <laughs> and that's really the reason I got in touch with her. Nothing to do with my health. Yeah. And she was like, now I have my own skincare, but let's talk about your health. Like what's going on with you. And I was like, okay, sure. Wow. Okay. Yeah literally like within five minutes of the conversation. And, uh, I told her what was going on and she's like, you know, it doesn't sound like depression. I think you have this condition where we call adrenal fatigue. And I'm like, what is this adrenal fatigue? So I'm, I'm literally sitting in bed propped up with my computer on my lap typing and (laughs) my (laughs) my symptoms pop up. Right. I'm like, 
oh my gosh, that, that, how do they know that's me? Yeah. And right then and there, I was like, wow, how did I not know this? I have been practicing for over 15 years. How did I not know that this is condition out there that I'm sure other women are suffering from that I have never diagnosed. And here I am the one that's suffering from it and not getting diagnosed. Sure. So I, you know, the two biggest things she did that night, not only give me a di- I don't, and I don't need a diagnosis, but pretty much I could see like, this is not in my head, right? Mm-hmm. This is not, this is for real. And again, validated my symptoms. It's not in my head. I think that was the key right there. Just because knowing when women think it's in their head, like there's no motivation to feel better or get better, you know, like, Oh, it's just all in my head. Like I'm just going to keep eating the chips and sitting on the couch and all the things. But when she flipped that switch, I'm like, it's not in your head. There is a condition. This is what's caused by, and this is how you're going to get better. I, w- I was like, okay, I don't care if it takes two years. You're telling me I have hope to feel better. That's all I need. Sure. And she gave me the help back. So like help and hope, which I had completely lost right on the tail of that. She was like, yeah, do you want to join me in practice? I'm like, here I go again, Googling functional medicine doctor. <laughs> like, what <are> you <laughs> I, at this point, I still didn't know what she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I figured out that they get to the root cause of, of symptoms and not just kind of did what I've been doing 15 years for 15 years, which is diagnosed. Yeah. Put a bandaid on. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my next life purpose. This is my next calling. And I didn't even know, like, I had no idea this is where I was going. Like we went from selling anti-aging skincare to talking this doctor, this doctor giving me pretty much my life and my health back and giving me a job and a new career, which was completely amazing. And so that's where I went into, you know, right then and there, I did exactly what I said I was going to do. She offered me the job. I said, I'm going to go back to this fellowship, join your practice in September of that year, which I did completed my functional medicine fellowship. And, uh, here I am today. So, you know, it is, so it was not intentional, but the problem is now being trained as a functional medicine doc. And actually I started my training while I was still working as a conventional gynecologist. I can never go back to that world of, and there's a place for it. Don't get me wrong. There's Mm -hmm. definitely a place for prescription medications and the, the, the medicine that I used to practice. Absolutely. But there is so much that we can do that doesn't require the medication. And it does require a little more time and education. And, you know, so many of the things that I am, I cannot do in a conventional office. And not only that, some of the medications that I previously prescribed, because I was, I hate, I look at it now as kind of bullied by insurance companies. Like, Mm -hmm. no, you can't have the more natural hormone. You have to prescribe this horse urine hormone. And it's like, I I can't do that anymore. Cause I, you know, what I didn't know back then, fine, but now I know better. So I do better. And I cannot sleep at night doing some of the practices that I used to do because I know better. So, you know, it was really a, a, you know, 180 degree turn away into this new life of holistic health, whereby now I really teach women, those women that want to know how to get better by getting to the root cause of their symptoms. So, you know, it was really a no brainer and really the catalyst was my own health Mm -hmm. and really just being that patient first and foremost, and going through the struggles that every other woman might be going through out there and feeling that hopeless and helplessness and feeling like your doctors are turning their back on you, which, you know, I'd be dramatic when I say that, but when they walk, you walk out the door and they say, you have to live with these symptoms. That's kind of how you feel. And, you know, to have my eyes opened up 
this whole new world that I didn't even know existed was just mind mind blowing. And so I vowed that day, that night that, you know, I was never going to let a woman feel the way I felt without mm-hmm. offering some help. Absolutely. And, and the way I was going to do that is getting obviously educated in functional medicine and helping women that wanted to get healthier in an alternative way, a non-conventional way, which is what I practice now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely fascinating. We've had some similar roads. And I feel like a lot of us that have landed in the functional medicine world have had our own personal challenges that we've had to embrace I agree. and look at and say, listen, you know, do I have to live this way or is there another way? It also does require a patient or a client who's also willing to invest the time mm-hmm. and do the work. And that's mm-hmm. not always easy. So there are some mm-hmm. of my clients who will say, you know, this is actually not the best approach for you because it's going to require your effort mm-hmm. and they may not be quite ready, you know, ready for that at this point in time. So I agree. And I, yeah. you know, I wasn't initially, you know, initially I was that doc that was, you know, going 150 miles an hour until I was physically forced to sit on a couch for six months and do nothing. But also in that whole time, I, you know, I was, I was grieving the loss of my former life. And, um, not only that, you know, I was that doc that would go in and say, like, give me the pill to make me better yesterday. Like, I don't have time to feel like this. I, you know, and then the guilt and the shame from not practicing, like, there's a lot of things that I was in the beginning. So if you, if I was approached with this method of healing and, you know, my injuries may have 2012, you know, June, July, August, September, no, just give me the pill. Give me the procedure. Let me get back to work. Sure. Let me do what I was trained to do. Sure. And, you know, fast forward a year and a half later, when I literally hit rock bottom and no, nothing else was working. I think a lot of, a lot of, and I work with women, a lot of women have to get to that point of spinning the wheels, unfortunately, for a really long time before they're willing to put the work and the effort in to feel better the way we help them feel better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your assessment style and how you work with women. Yeah. Well, I am interestingly enough, you know, I, this, this doctor I was telling you about, uh, I was in her practice for uh, almost four years, Mm -hmm. um, a solid three and a half years. And we, unfortunately where I live, it's not very conducive to the type of medicine we practice. And, uh, we had to close the doors in, uh, gosh, I remember March of 2018, I believe due to financial reasons. Mm -hmm. And so And, you know, it was probably for the better. I was actually getting burned out again myself with a two hour daily commute. And, you know, everyone thinks, oh, functional medicine is easy. It's not. It's actually, I think it's harder. It is because we don't follow algorithms and protocols. We follow where the patient takes us, you know? So it's a lot of brain work in a day. So when you see six, eight patients in a day, because each patient's an hour, your brain is working really hard. So, and even after um, the clock, I find for myself, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was yeah. bringing work home. So my days off, I was working through the weekend. So I literally maybe had one day off a week mm-hmm. out of seven. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, again, the universe had a plan for me as did back, you know, after my injury. And, you know, I think it closed for a reason because I don't know that if that was sustainable and I, and I literally couldn't work any harder to bring in finances to support the business. I was working hard enough. So and I, I, you know, I would come home and a couple months prior to this, I would come home at night saying, gosh, I feel like such a hypocrite here. I am t- talking to women about stress reduction and sleep and eating right. And all the things. And here I am like not sleeping and not having any self-care myself and all the things that I am preaching to her, I'm not doing. And mm-hmm. I don't like to live like that. So, you know, when it came to 
either working harder or closing the practice, I obviously said, I, I can't, I have to walk away. And at that time of my life, you know, I had been through gosh, four, four or five different practices and in moving and, you know, transitioning careers. And I did not feel that I could set up a brick and mortar again in my area, quite frankly. And, and you know, and, and, and so I'm like, now what do I do? So a year I was in transition for about a year. And then I decided, you know, to do this gig online. So that's how I work with women now online. And, you know, the beauty of doing it online is I do feel, and now in, in revisiting how I used to do things in the office, I do think I have a lot more freedom and flexibility online that I did, didn't have in an office because I don't have a lot of the overhead expenses of having to churn out the patients. Mm -hmm. So I can actually spend some more time with her. And there were a lot of things that I found weren't working. So, you know, essentially I will have her do the same intake form that she would have done if she saw me in the office. And obviously her symptoms dictate the course of our treatment. And, and that was the same as in the office. But I found that when I was in the office, uh, I would say yes, but no, I feel like, yes, there was some things we still focused on, but a lot of times we just did blood work and the entire hour follow-up visit was translating that blood work. And here are the recommendations. And I would fly through them because I only had an hour and I love to teach and get and have women understand the why behind what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But she literally would walk out of my office with her head spinning with about 10 new supplements. And like, yep. I have to change this in my diet, but how do I do it? And I didn't have time to really go through how, you know, I sure. was like, well, do this, 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 and take this, 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 and bye-bye. We'll see you in three or six months. And what I found from that approach is that, and I know a lot of docs and it's great. You know, I do think, you know, there are many women that can actually follow through, but I did also find many women that couldn't follow through with the 10 new supplements and all of the nutrition changes and trying to get to sleep and juggling the kids still. And not much support at home, trying to do this all on her own. Like she would sure. come back three or six months later saying, I'm sorry. I started one new supplement and I didn't change my, my, my diet and all these things. And she just, you know, women, we don't need to give them another reason to feel like a failure. We do that. A good, we do that well enough ourselves, Absolutely. you know, like we, we do that. And so I realized when I moved to the online space that two things, number one, smaller, little bite-sized bits of information, Amen. <laughs> not yeah. 10, you know, which also leads to like, okay, let's, you know, and if I can strategically supplement, like let's do some testing. So I do offer testing for gut health and, um, toxins and nutrient deficiencies as well as heavy metals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and again, not every woman can afford, cause it is, it's out not your sure. out of pocket. It's not mm -hmm. routine testing. And, you know, try to strategically supplement or nutrition wise, try to change her diet based on her results. And then, you know, there's a lot of things that we address. Um, I currently focus on low libido in women, but in my opinion, that's just another symptom because mm -hmm. honestly, she'll have low energy, high stress levels, probably weight gain. Those are my, I call them my triple threat, you know, low libido, uh, weight gain and high stress levels, low slash low energy are what a lot of women come to me with. So, you know, in helping her generally, we, we have to address her stress first and her burnout symptoms, because her body is not going to lose the weight and heal her nutrient deficiency, all the things, if her body's still in that fight or flight mode. So, you know, a lot of times I find myself trying to help women with their stress symptom, stress management, burnout symptoms first, before we can get to all the others. But 
you know, and it's, it's basics, you know, focusing on nutrition and her again, stress management, and obviously her relationship with others relationship with herself her self-care and eventually we'll get into other things like toxins and such, but it's really, really a stepwise approach. And she definitely dictates where it goes based on her healing, her healing journey. And some, some women can do it in a couple months, some a year longer, you know? So I, again, I, I used to put a timeline on that as well. And now it's like, okay, let's, let's, some women again, can get it done faster than others. And it just depends on how much she has going on and her ability. And it's not whether or not she's motivated, but her ability, given her lifestyle or her life circumstances, how fast she can adjust to some changes or, or make them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I also find that, you know, with this approach, which I, I, which I fully embrace, um, Mm -hmm. people, women do need to spend time. They have to recognize it's not a one and done. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting coming from the conventional background myself, Mm -hmm. that's what people were used to here, you know, create the plan and Mm -hmm. uh, I'm fixed, you know, just like go to the doctor, wave the magic wand and you're all fixed. And it really does take time. So I always tell people Mm -hmm. it's a minimum of like three months, more like Mm -hmm. six months to really see lab values change, Mm -hmm. uh, your emotional way of dealing with things, behavior Mm -hmm. changes, all of that Mm -hmm. makes such a difference. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, and I it, love it. I love it. Yeah. And I do find that the support and accountability from someone like us, you know, mm. really do, do help women help them, keep them on track to where they want to go. Because so many of us, you know, myself included, we'll have those days where like, Oh, you know, and it's nice to have that person in, in your corner saying, you can do this, you know, it's okay to have a day that's you're not on, but we'll come back tomorrow and you'll be on again. So mm-hmm. it's those women that don't have that support and accountability that just keep spiraling down, down, down because they feel like nobody's there to help. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Do you have a particular age group that you uh, prefer to work with, or are you pretty open in terms of women in hormonal health? I'm pretty open, but I do find women primarily probably between 35 and 55 are the ones that seek me out, but I've worked with women in their twenties, mm-hmm. um, mid to late twenties, all the way up to late fifties, early sixties. So like there's definitely, you know, the sweet spot of the women that find me and, and, want to work with me, but I won't put in, turn anybody. No, no woman gets turned away that wants sure. to work with me. Mm-hmm. Sure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. No, I find, I find the same thing. I'm, I'm really doing a deep dive into the whole perimenopause area, mm-hmm. because again, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's such a misunderstood and mm-hmm. not taken care of well. And mm-hmm. that's an age group of women where again, they are one of the first forms of therapy is an SSRI and that's mm-hmm. only going to further suppress the libido. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so talk mm-hmm. about feeling worse about yourself most definitely. Mm-hmm. So you know, and it's a taboo topic, right? Like just like libido, perimenopause, menopause, like women are so, we're so conditioned to think it's like this, it's negative. It's this awful part of being a woman. We got to go through this, you know, and I come from it as like, it's transition. It's a, it's a part of being a woman. Let's embrace it. Let's make it a, a journey. And, yep. you know, and that we don't have to suffer through it. We can embrace it and enjoy the process and the, and the journey that we're on as, as a woman. So you know, I do really think just changing that paradigm and changing the conversation around the topic really helps women embrace their hormones, embrace the change. You know, how many women like hate having their period? Oh, I can't flow again. And, you know, versus like, okay, it's, it's, you know, it's, there's a, there was a reason you get your period and it it's gives us the hormones that make us beautiful women. And, you know, there is a beautiful side to having a period and, um, you know, and when you start learning how to work with your period and not have to go, 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 28 days a month and you can just go with the flow. Literally. 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 Yes. 
yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's, you know, and empower women to maybe do things differently with their nutrition or their activity based on where they are in their cycle. And they don't have to beat themselves up when they don't feel like exercising or don't, you know, have cravings for something. It's okay. It's okay. So I think when we demonize things and, and make them very taboo, we don't talk about them and then they're just bad, you know, quote unquote Mm -hmm. bad. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely true. I mean, one of the things that I, I love is actually getting women to start thinking about this as um, a rebirthing time. Mm-hmm. You, know, you start to go through the chaos, life in the messy and all of that. Um, and I have a lot of women read The Artist's Way. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Julia Cameron's mm-hmm. very old book, but it's a great book that really kind of gets into looking at what your purpose, your passion, what are the mm-hmm. things that really bring you joy Mm-hmm. And I had two women last year that actually, as we discussed, you know, we got through some of the physical uh, aspects of things and got more into life and work and career and purpose and all that. Um, two of these women actually finally gave up their jobs and started their own entrepreneurial pursuits. And I was like, mm-hmm. amen, I love it. So this is such a great time of opportunity for women too. Yeah, I agree. And I do find it's so interesting because I think, again, a lot of women, I don't know, I think the age whereby you enter menopause is a fantastic age, because I find a lot of these women really come into who they are. Like you said, maybe it's career, maybe it's just not caring what people think and just living their life on their terms. And it's just, in my opinion, what I have observed really an empowering time in a woman's life. And I do find a lot of women have an amazing libido. They're free of pregnancy, you know, like I, they're like, Oh, I can enjoy. So, you know, again, this whole feeling of, Oh, perimenopause, I'm going to be menopausal. I'm going to have no libido. I'm going to have no, that's not the case. And I think when we, again, start shifting that, and if you do have issues, it's not like life sentence. It's not a rite of passage going into menopause, but I have seen the opposite with a lot of women who enter menopause of just having themselves back. And it's just a wonderful process to see. And I really, I really kudos to those women that have that, that transition, not only into menopause, but that whole mindset, body, spirituality transition as they enter a new stage of their life. And the education around what libido and orgasm and all of that actually means in terms Mm -hmm. of their physical health Mm -hmm. and their brain health. I mean, so Mm -hmm. if we talk about cognitive, Mm -hmm. emotional, bone health, um, cardiovascular health. So again, these these topics that have been taboo for so long, there's Mm -hmm. a physiological basis that can also be so supportive for them. So I I love the fact that you really, you know, you really kind of bring that to the forefront in the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So cool. So tell me some of the other um, strategies that you use. I mean, obviously, you know, in the world of functional medicine, um, I I love Patrick Hanaway. You know, I don't know if you know Patrick Hanaway, Mm -hmm. but he was director of functional medicine with Mark Hyman. Mm -hmm. And one of the conversations we had a few years ago, he said, you know, Julie, I've kind of gotten to the point where less is more. So mm-hmm. I've really scaled back a lot on supplements rather than mm-hmm. sending somebody off with 10 supplements yep. I start off with the key few things. Yep. Um, and um, I also bring in other things like binaural beats and mm-hmm. grounding exercises and breathing and yoga and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So mm-hmm. what are some of the other modalities that you bring into your practice? Well, you know, all of it, I am actually becoming a certified Kundalini yoga instructor. So that's Love coming it. to my, that's yeah. Awesome. And yeah. and that is definitely coming. Cause that's a, again, like you said, a lot of breath work. Um, you know, I, I, it's so interesting when I entered this world of yoga and again, it was, it's, I'm very intuitive. So, and I, I had not been prior to about eight years ago, but I now listen, I'm so present in my body, which I think is really what I also teach women because mm-hmm 
we are so busy do, do, doing, and we don't even know how we feel. Right. So there's do, do, doing, because we have to feel that we have to prove ourselves, our worthiness. Right. So that comes back to the mindset component that I constantly work on with women, which is not a one and done kind of thing either. It's a daily, like as every time we talk, we talk about a component of mindset, but not like, okay, how's your mindset? It's like, how do you feel about yourself? And, and why are you doing for everybody else? because I have to prove myself that I'm good enough that I can do it all. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, part of helping women, especially with their stress and the doing all the doing is like bringing it back to like, why are you doing that? So a lot of mindfulness, a lot of mindset work, as far as the thoughts that we programmed as normal or who we are, you know, that's just who I am as a mom, as a wife, you're more than that. So I think really bringing it back to who we are being present in our body, um, is huge. And that's how I help women. But again, being present in your body is being able to listen to the, that little gut feeling that you get of like right or wrong, right. Mm-hmm. That I actually had to work on myself. So I do think, you know, Kundalini yoga is great for that because of, uh, you, you get a lot of the physiological, uh, responses with the breath work with a parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you bring your body more into, that relaxation part. Um, and, you know, basically moving energy through your body, it can be very emotional. So I do think helping women process their emotions of like things that I I think women also are very good at hiding their emotions or putting them under the carpet, which I did for many years. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes giving them permission to be able to scream into a pillow or cry it out and not have to look like a you know, weak woman, if you do so, or it's, it's, a you know, hormonal, like, I think there's a lot of taboo around women and their feminine energy of, and again, I also talk about alignment and feminine energy and, and not always def, like necessarily being in that masculine, like do, do, do and 24 seven and never have a break because I do think that women we've lost ourselves in that very mm-hmm. masculine oh, yeah. energy. Right. Sure. And then we don't, again, we're not present in our body. We don't even know how we feel. And when we try to take a break, sit down, read a book, we, we feel guilty, (laughs) you know, like I should be doing something or, you know, or shaming ourselves. And it's like, no. So that other component that I really teach women about is that self-care, you know, getting back in touch with what she loves to do, because I talk to a lot of women. What do you like to do? I don't even know. I have Mm -hmm. no idea. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you take five minutes for yourself? Nope. Nope. It's all about the kids, the husband, the job. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? So I think just again, reconnecting to your body, being present in your body, feeling symptoms that you may not even know you have. So we can work on those, but also understanding what brings you joy, what brings you happiness. So you can do more of that and start building that back into your life. Because at the end of the day, you know, when a woman is doing for everyone else and has really literally poured her cup empty, she falls into bed at night. We won't even talk about what happens to her libido because she's exhausted, right? She just wants to sleep. But not only that, there's a lot of emotional things that come up. She feels frustrated because she did it all. She feels angry that nobody helped her. She feels Mm -hmm. resentful to her partner perhaps. And, you know, a lot of this comes down to number one, realizing that you don't have to do it all and communicating what you need throughout the day. So others can help you. Um, and I think, I think a lot of us have seen it as a failure if we can't do it all or ask for help. And I'm here to really change that paradigm as well, to help women understand that is you you can only do so much and it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, your mental health is, is by far more important than proving that you can do it all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and opening up the, you know, fields of communication, 
and really having those, that communication with your family at a time when you're not feeling emotional mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and recognizing that as you are making these changes and taking more care of yourself and asking others to do things, they're not necessarily going to love it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So nope. there needs to be really open conversations as we are all kind of shifting. I love doing family work. So that's one reason why, um, again, having everybody be able to kind of put all their pieces out there on the table. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I do love other, I love other practices, you know, I love meditation and, um, all forms of meditation, but you know, again, and it's not for everyone. Like if a woman comes to me and I'm like, okay, sit for 30 minutes, meditate. She's like, I can't do that. So like, you know, again, five a lot minutes. of times we five minutes. Yeah. We do start really small because I do think there's huge benefits to, to meditation. And once we can, and maybe you stay at five minutes for months and it's okay. Like there's mm-hmm. no timeline of like having to get up to 30 minutes. You don't even have to, you know, you'll find benefit simply from five minutes a day of just calming that mind and just getting present in your body. So, you know, and again, do every woman, is she going to love Kundalini yoga? Probably not. We do a lot of, you, you know, uh, mantras, you know, and then a lot of, uh, singing and, but it's, it's, um, and, and movement and such and, and breath work. That's not necessarily the deep breathing. Sometimes it's breath of fire, which is a quick breath, but I do find that, um, you know, there'll be many women out there that will embrace this because it's very, it does reconnect you to your body and your feminine energy, which is why I think I was so drawn to it. And I kind of come full circle that intuitively, this was something that was put in my world in January. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even know I was going to do it, but it felt, I felt so pulled. I didn't even know what Kundalini yoga was. I just felt so pulled to it. Uh-huh. And now that I'm, you know, getting certified in it and, and really embracing it, I'm like, wow, this is life-changing for myself, but for my future clients, because, you know, once you sort of kind of get over the fact that yoga is not just for you know, we have fitnessized it. That's a word. Uh, No, I still agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've taken all of the meaning out of yoga. It's not about, you know, yes, you can hold the poses and do your handstands and all the things that you see on social media. That's not what historically what yoga is about. And so, and there's lots of different kinds of yoga, but, um, I do think that introducing some sort of relaxation practice into her life, whether it be the yoga or, even simply walking in nature does a lot for a woman in her stress level mm-hmm. and reconnecting with herself when she could be quiet and just listen to the birds and think her thoughts that so many, we, we're not, we don't allow us just to have thoughts. Like we have a lot of negative thoughts about ourselves and our situations, but just not think about, like you said, where's our life at? Where do we want to go? Are we happy in our life? You know, when women talk about stress, like they don't even know why they're stressed. They're just stressed. Why? I don't know. I'm just stressed. Sure. <laughs> so we always just work on like, okay, what's the biggest stress or what's that thing you think of morning, noon, and night and everything in between. And let's start working on that. And like you said, with the, the, one of the biggest stressors is actually feeling trapped. They did a study in the past whereby they, they were looking at mice and they would trap them in the corner versus mm-hmm. cutting off a limb. And the mice that were trapped in the corner actually had higher cortisol than those that actually had a limb cut off, which you would think it's the opposite, right? Like a a traumatic physical injury would be higher stress, but the mice that felt trapped had the higher stress response. And so, you know, when we look at life, same thing, where do you feel trapped? Do you feel trapped in your Mm. occupation, your relationship? Um, you feel trapped by your finances, which usually trap you in a job, right? You have to like work this job because you have to have a paycheck. And so, you know, a lot of times I like to work on with women, like that's not, ultimately you don't have to stay there. Let's start making a plan. Not saying you have to leave your job like tomorrow without a plan, but if that is your biggest stressor and you wake up miserable and go to bed miserable and everything in between, 
let's start making a plan as far as what really lights you up and makes you happy. Cause life is too dang short. We got to, you know, I know that's very cliche, but after my injury, I realized that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I realized that I just, every day I have to wake up with that, that fire in my belly to, to do what I love, which is what I'm doing. And I want women to feel the same exact way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. I have a client that I've been working with for a few months now. Um, and as we get into sort of her fitness level and her pains from post-menopause and whatnot, she has a, a long-term history of an eating disorder as a young, mm-hmm. as a young adult. And I said, so, you know, let's talk about your exercise plan. What are you doing? And everything is like pound the pavement stuff. And so I said, Mm -hmm. I would like for you to do some restorative yoga, yoga nidra, you know, whatever. And, and it was funny last week when we were chatting, she said, I don't like it, but I feel better. So I said, Mm -hmm. good. And then I just got an email from her today. And she said, I just had like a fabulous sleep. And I said, all right, we're working on the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And again, so many women do come with histories of disordered eating and eating disorders. That was an area that I worked on, um, worked in uh, back in Boston many years ago. And uh, again, you combine that with uh, with hormonal shifts and changes and all that. It's um, it's challenging. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because that and mindset I said, is so so straight on perfection. Yeah, yeah. And I do think we see that a lot in the age range especially perimenopause, menopause, because, you know, I know myself, I'm in that age range and I grew up in a very, in, in a dieting household, you know, Mm -hmm. where I saw mom dieting all the time. So when I, you know, I've had to look at this myself of saying, why do I feel like I always have to be on a diet? Well, because this is what I saw growing up. And, and the message I got as a kid was if you don't diet, you're going to be overweight. Yeah. You know? And so how many adult women are out there nowadays, like thinking that same thought because they saw a household member, or maybe it's the media, you know, TV commercials or what have you, weight watchers, or back then it was like Nutrisystem and all the things. But like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of women develop this thought of like, um, either food aversion or, you know, avoidance because, mm-hmm. or feeling that they chronically have to diet and then they feel shame and guilt for eating certain foods, or they're going to overexercise for eating the piece of cake or having the cookie or what have you. So I think, I feel like, and I don't know if it's still now, but I feel like that is a result of a lot of things that I saw as a kid. And I was sort of, that was out there in the media being told to us and it's subconsciously ingrained in us. And it's like, okay, have to pound the pavement, have to work harder to, to uh, pay for the meal that I'm going to have tonight. (laughs) And it's so, I think undoing that is so huge for women. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. So what three tips do you have for women in this confusing healthcare world? Oh gosh. Number one, um, you have to be your own advocate for your health. I learned that the hard way. And Mm -hmm. I just want women out there to, if you don't like what your doc says, maybe go find a new doc or, you know, because you, you really have to feel like this is a team. You have a team when it's your health and nobody's going to care about your health as much as you. So if you don't feel like you have a team player because your docs is go away, it's not, you know, maybe go find another doc and, um, hopefully you don't need that doc a lot, but you really want to make sure that you have someone who listens to you and responds and doesn't react super important. Number two, unfortunately do your research. You know, if you have a symptom, internet is laden with information. I get it. Mm -hmm. Social media even more, Mm -hmm. but you know, just if you're going to have a symptom and go to your doc, I would probably see what's out there and maybe ask your doc some questions, not in a 
And I'm not saying be disrespectful, you know, have a conversation and say, could it be this? Could it be that? Especially if you, again, in your gut, don't think it's like me. I didn't think it was depression. Sure. So, and if I had done my research, which I did not do, and I'm saying these, because these are, these are things personal, you know, I wasn't my own health advocate until I needed to be, I wasn't doing the research because I didn't know how to, mm-hmm. uh, and again, eight, actually it's, you know, 10 years later, I think there's so much more out there now, but, um, nonetheless, I think, you know, I think, I think there is a lot and I think you have to take some of it with a grain of salt, but just knowing all your options is, is huge. And number three, there's a lot that you can do for your health that you can do for yourself. You don't need your doctor. You can, you know, again, if you're eating a highly ultra processed, high sugar nutrition, probably not the best long-term for your health, mm-hmm. you know, start focusing or tra- slowly transitioning. And this is another big thing for women. Like I think women, Oh, Monday, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to sleep. Mm. I'm going to exercise. Like that's too much Sure. little by little, just make little changes of recognizing where the sugar is popping in, you know, starting to remove it as much as you can making empowered decisions as far as where is it coming into your body, trying to cut out that the foods of convenience. And I get it because I've been there too, but really eating real food, you know, not from a package. And I'm not talking about the packaged green beans. I'm talking about those packages that have the sauce included, Right, right, right. (laughs) actually making a protein and some veggies. It's not that hard. And I find that if you little by little start introducing it into your daily life, over time, it's a lot easier, but not only that, like you said, sleep, getting, making sure you, you prioritize your sleep, super important hydration, making sure you drink your water. I know this sounds very, uh, you know, trivial and like, Oh, don't tell me about drinking water. It's huge. It is <laughs> it's huge. huge. Yeah, yeah. And you know, moving your body anyway, whether it be just a walk or doing yoga, or if you want to go do your elliptical, whatever, just getting some movement in, because at the end of the day, all those little things are going to keep you out of your doctor's office and you're not going to have to navigate the conventional healthcare world because you're not going to need it. You're doing everything yourself at home. Sure. Sure. You won't be at the end stage disease place where you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Okay. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your wisdom and how can people connect with you? Oh gosh. I have a website, drreneewellenstein.com. And I'm also all over social media at Dr. Renee Wellenstein. I am on Instagram, Facebook. I have a private Facebook group. I have a podcast myself, the real heel. I have a YouTube and I am on TikTok. I think I covered it all. I think I'm cool. everywhere okay. and wherever I can help women just, you know, get a little bit of education and, and again, have that little bit to go to your doctor, to talk, to have that conversation, you know, and, uh, t- discussing topics like we discussed today of perimenopause, menopause, libido, hormone imbalance, all of it. I I think we need to start opening up the lines of communication and, and start talking about it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I love it. Awesome. And if you like this podcast, please rate, review, share with your friends, your family, your coworkers. And I'm on a mission as well to change the current paradigm of healthcare and mental health care. And you can find me at juliefreeman.net on Instagram at Julie Freeman Mindful Wellness and on YouTube at Julie Freeman Functional Medicine La Jolla, which will soon become Functional Medicine Austin. So until next time.